Electricast. With the Baker's Plus Card, it's easy to get lower than low prices for the win. Earn fuel points on every purchase and save up to a dollar a gallon at the pump. The Baker's Plus Card. All you do is win. Big, big savings. Sign up now at bakersplus.com and start saving. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Savings may vary by state. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your favorites with the buy five or more, save a dollar each sale. Simply buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with your card. Baker's. Fresh for everyone. Hello, and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show, featuring Jason Zook. In uncertain times, we must change our focus and priorities. This show will highlight social justice issues with the goal of expanding minds and increasing unity, love, and mutual respect for ourselves and our planet. We support the Black Lives Matter movement, Our show aspires to promote social spirituality, which simply means that by coming together, we can solve any of our problems, including the goal of bringing an end to all forms of hate, discrimination, bias, or oppression. We must protect our environment, reform our criminal justice system, and protect every citizen from police brutality. When we come together, it becomes possible to bridge the gaps that plague our society and divide us from within. We the people means everyone. Hello and welcome to the Social Psychic Radio Show. This is Jason Zook. It's a great pleasure I have the opportunity of presenting special guest Anne O'Neill to the show today. WNBA and Division One academic and athletic all-American TV and analyst podcast host, management consultant expert in growth mindset at Fortune 500 companies, among other talents. Our guest has excelled in the classroom and on the basketball court for the first stage of her life. She found her passion for team dynamics and success. She's a three-time Parade Magazine USA Today, WBCA National All-American in high school, breaking state records as a freshman and earning National Naismith Top 5 Player of the Year Award. Anne went on to be an All-American Division I basketball player and academic All-America at Iowa State University before being drafted into the WNBA. After enjoying a successful start to her career in the highly competitive industries of Division I collegiate coaching, TV commentary, and medical sales, our guest was inspired to cultivate a deeper bond with people and transition her career into leadership consultant through performance psychology. The thread of her career journey has been woven together through deep connection with others while elevating mindsets and organizational performance. Anne trained for two years internationally under Steve Zaffron, founder of Vanto Group, a Forbes 2020 top management consulting firm and author of the best-selling book, The Three Laws of Performance. Currently, our guest works as a senior cyber transformation leader, Palo Alto Networks, where she consults global 2000 organizations at the C-suite level, developing three-year roadmaps focused on cybersecurity strategy. In September of 2021, Anne created the Get Busy Live In podcast, which creates conversations to learn what ignites people to be bigger than themselves. It's all about good vibes, growth mindset, and giving back. You can check out our guest's website at www.annoneal.co. It's a great pleasure. I present Anne O'Neill to the show. Welcome to the show, Anne. Wow, what an introduction. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. I just, it's one of those things that like, the synchronicity of stuff and and your background is so compelling and so notable. I, I was like, I, I wanted to have you on the show and I, I, I love the whole performance growth mindset stuff and how spirituality could interact and, and join forces with what you've done already. And I, I want to ask you, I feel like you're very intuitive yourself and I wanted to see if you could share with our audience, how your intuition has guided you through all your transitions in life and all your successes. Oh, wow. What a killer question right out of the gate. (laughs) Usually people want to chat a little bit about basketball. So I love the question about we're going to do that, too. (laughs) No, All right. Let's get let's get going. But I love the deep question, especially about intuition. And I guess I'll take you all the way back to when I was a kid. I, I I really did have an affinity for going to church. So I loved like the stained glass windows. I loved all the candles. I loved the idea that something is bigger than you out there. And at the time I was raised 
Catholic, but as you grow up, you get to learn a bunch of different spiritualities and religions and just practices. And probably a couple of the biggest things, even when I was growing up through basketball and, and high school, I would go and sit in the church by myself. I love just being in that vibe, but I would have like different what do you call them? Bible verses written on my sneakers. So when I was shooting a free throw, I'd look down and it'd be like, I can do all things. Or when I'm tested, I come forth as gold, those different verses. And that's how I always stayed connected to things that made me, that I was really interested in. Like, I almost felt like there was a magnetism for that kind of a vibe. And, you know, when I was playing basketball, the best thing about ever playing basketball or me going to the gym and shooting hours upon hours is that it was a meditation. I was not thinking. I was able to embody shooting and basketball. And that's why even to this day, I still love going to the gym to shoot just because it completely clears out all those crazy thoughts that you can have about what I need to do next or what am I not doing? And, and then it, it just gives that clear space. And so that's was part of my interest in loving basketball, because again, they call it flow or when you get in that, in that role, but you're not thinking your body just knows how to be something to be a great performer, that kind of a thing. And the intuition part again, is almost like a magnetism. I really try to listen to where I'm like, Oh, I'm really curious about that. I'm Googling about that a lot, or I'm following people that are really deep into meditation or travel or whatever that might be at the time. And I really try to look like, Oh, I've done this a lot. Maybe I should really look into that. And one of the best things about intuition is they call your gut, which has almost more neurons than your brain, just so you know, and they call it your fast intelligence. So anybody ever says to listen to your gut, your intuition, I always call it my fast intelligence because sometimes your body and your energy know what's happening or what is good for you before you actually even take an action. So those are some of the things that I started with even through sports and then have developed throughout my career. And we can get into that, but it was long-winded, but yeah, it's a huge question because it's guided so much of my career. Interestingly, I've never had anyone break down their answers so methodically and awesome, like how you explained yourself, because I'm looking at, I took, I take notes as you talk and I, that's a lawyer in me, but I love the fact that you talked about what if thoughts, because those are something that I, I always talk about, meaning what if this happens? What if that happens? The thoughts we can overthink and get bogged down by. And I, I love the in the zone kind of reference. Like I've been fascinated by that ever since I've been the intersection of spirituality and athleticism and focus and performance and mental growth mindset kind of thing. Those are all synchronistic with what I am very passionate about myself right now, because I believe I have my own little theory here, but I believe that athletes who excel on the court like you and who excel outside the court and all these other aspects of your life, you're a high achieving person. And I feel like intuition is like the fuel to that because it guides you and it gives you the ability to excel not only in your sport and to have your focus and your thoughts be with a clear mindset and all that, but it gives you the ability to stay in the zone, even outside of sports. And I think that's something that I, I, it's a, it's like a Petri dish to me. I love the idea that athletes have this special intuitive ability that helps them have a laser focus. And over the years, they will excel with that and become uber balanced people kind of thing. And it makes, it's something I think the public should pay more attention to. Oh, I do believe it, but it's just anything else. It's a muscle and you have to practice it or you lose it there. Every day I wake up and I'm like, going to go to the beach. I live in um, Southeast Florida in Miami and I go to the beach to do a walking meditation, but there are mornings where I don't want to like push a snooze on my alarm and I have to pull myself forward. You almost have to like do that no matter where you're at. So it is a muscle just eating healthy as or walking into the gym or showing up to a meeting and not being in a bad mood. You really have to pull yourself forward throughout all of those. And it is a muscle that I've continued to practice. And for a while there, I didn't know where it was because I wasn't playing basketball. It wasn't shooting every day. Like I used to shoot two to three hours a day. And so I had to find my like adult version of what, what that is. And I did feel it working out and there's still a bit of that there, but it's almost like a deeper sense of knowing and clearing out those head spaces and those kind of crazy questions. And I guess you have over 60,000 thoughts per day that come through. And most of them are repetitive, about 90% of them, they're old thoughts. So it's like, how do we clear those out and make space for new ones? And so I've had to find my own practices through that. I found a unique technique that I use myself following the pandemic and all the negativity we had to go through the last two years. I had cancer in 2018. So I had to be very like cautious. Luckily it was stage one kidney cancer, but I, my doctor stay home. 
isolate yourself. So I, for two years, I isolated here in Tampa in the middle of downtown in the city. But for me, it was like seeing the big picture. And for me, my secret with that was being able to appreciate when I wake up in the mornings, I would experiment with this. If I woke up in the morning and I look backwards, oh man, it's frustrating. It's stressful. But if I wake up in the morning and I look ahead and I don't yes. focus on what it's like driving. If you stare at your rearview mirror, you're not going to go very far without hitting something. But if you look <laughs> forward and if you think of your life like the page of a book that you can turn, I think we could change our mindsets from just all the negativity you can go through in life. And every day is a new beginning. So that's how I, that's the trick I use my own little hacking for myself to get through the pandemic was let me be creative. Let me like with you, with your podcast, we're going to get all these, but let me be creative. Let me channel my energy rather than the what if thoughts bogging me down. Let me look ahead. And when I look forward, I smile all the time. Even now, <laughs> I, I love yeah. that. I always think it, sometimes things are so simple. We really can't turn our head 180 degrees and completely look behind us. And that's for a reason. There's like a famous quote that says, I've never met a horse that had a problem looking forward. And sometimes <laughs> I continue to embody that. And you said every morning and I'm like, I do it every morning, but man, sometimes I have a great morning and then that one o'clock will hit and some thoughts come back and I, yes. center, I have to recalibrate. You fall in the rabbit hole. To everyone listening, it is like an hourly 30 minute, 15 minute practice just to even take those deep breaths. Even focusing on your breath actually stops you focus on thoughts. So yeah, it's a constant, it's a constant battle every day, but it's also a constant dance where you can be oh. the lead. So I also, this kind of goes right into another topic. I know I'm very passionate about too, mental health awareness. We're talking about it. We're getting around the edges of it, but athletes, I think we should be to our athletes and think how hard must mental health be when you're on the, when you're on the court, when you're on the field, when you got all, you went to the highest accolades of your profession in basketball. And from my mindset, I think about how we put our athletes on pedestal, mm -hmm. on a pedestal, but we don't think about how they are doing inside. What is it like to go through this extreme pressure? And if someone's performing and they they get disappointed because of their performance at that game, they might have their fans get difficult on them and, and troll them or be negative. And I wanted to get your viewpoint on that. How do you, how do you overcome that? Or, or your, the people who have played with you? Oh, what, what do you, what's your opinions on that? How can we help? <laughs> Raise awareness. I just, I just am, I'm so glad this conversation is being talked about. Literally, that's the first step. And just even in the last couple of weeks, we've lost a couple more co collegiate athletes to suicide. And you know, it's just so, it's just so hard. And I, it's something I've been contemplating on because there's an aspect of social media I like, and then also I have to put boundaries on it because social media is curated. It's curated part of you. And then, so that's one layer. And then you had your family and friends layer. And they still see certain aspects, filtered aspects of you, right? You're not telling them every single story, or maybe you are, or maybe you're not to different people. And then you go inside and you go that world behind your eyes and inside your brain and inside your heart. And it's a whole different world. And it's only you up against you at that time. And it's really, it's so hard. And then with athletes, you think back again, we go back to the social media of people saying negative comments. If you had a bad game, I know for me, this was before social media was a big thing. If I performed poorly or our team lost, I could even have, I could even have 28 points and lead both teams in scoring back in high school. And we would lose the game and it would say, O'Neill, terrible game, lost the loss. The, they lost by 20 points or something like that. And I remember going to bed that night, dealing with that, knowing that the newspaper would come out the next morning with those kind of a headlines. And then I'd go to school the next day and people are like, man, tough game, huh? So that's back. And that becomes amplified. Yeah. Yeah. And, and how did I, and so I would lose sleep at night when I knew that we lost, I didn't perform well. I shot bad. Maybe I missed a winning shot or anything. I had 10 turnovers, who knows what it was, but it would always have a spin because I was expected to perform. I think I averaged around like high twenties, like 30 points per game. So anything under that was considered really bad performance, even if my, the rest of my team played well. And so how do you deal with that? And Fortunately, I didn't have, again, so much of an outer world that social media is where it's so much exposure, but you still had that inner world that you had to deal with it. And at that time, I guess the one thing that I knew to do was just lace up my sneakers and go try and dribble and shoot free throws and try to get better. That was the only thing I knew how to get back. And I will say 
going back to the beginning of our conversation, I did have that foundation of believing in something bigger than myself, whether that was a spirit or something was guiding me, but that, you know, was always with me. So I also leaned on that throughout those times. So that was my own personal experience. And for right now, I'm just so happy again, that we have these conversations, but I do think they're the world of being able to like so much easy access to people with their expectations, with their performance, with the reviews on something. Even our podcasts can get reviews. <laughs> like anything you do can have a review these days. So you just never know if somebody's in a bad mood and wants to say something negative, how you're going to respond to that. And I think that is going to be a real big, just a real big conversation in the next three to five years of how we actually deal with that. I think there will be more research in social media and how we use it for positive and how we put boundaries on it. Because again, what lives inside your head and what you feel like you need to portray to the world or be to the world might not be a match for what's inside of you. And I think that's what's showing up, at least for, for some of these athletes, Michael Phelps and some of the other top athletes that won a million gold medals and they still <sighs> struggled with it. So it's really interesting and, and a great conversation to have. I know, like I said, exactly. I know that I've had, I had my own issues like in college and conversations and the more I got out of college, the first time I meet a student athlete, somebody that was a student athlete, they talk about mental health then. And it wasn't talked about back then, whether it was, <sighs> especially for females, it was even a lot about diet and diet restrictions and what they looked like in the Jersey or the uniform. So things even that go, that aren't even about performance necessarily of your points or your time, but what you looked like and, and what diet you had at the time. So that those are a lot of the conversations I have with former athletes too. It's such a deep topic. We could have an hour on that, right? No, it's a deep topic. And I'm very, it goes in line with everything else. And you're not a machine. Athletes aren't machines. They have feelings. They're human. They have all the other wants, desires that every other human being wants. And I feel like you have to make so many sacrifices on and off the court to excel and to put that pressure that you described. That's the kind of thing that I love to share on my show to think if I'm in the top performing aspect of my team might do well, but people may still look negatively at me because of my own stats Right. my own prior performance. And I feel like that's very difficult to continuously do, right? I'm sure you probably felt like you were in a glass cage with all these people around you. But when it comes to your unique point of view and what the pressures you've gone through and your mental health and everything else, it's no one can really connect unless they're another athlete or there's somebody who's compassionate enough who, or an empath or something. But <laughs> it's a lot. It's a lot to even, I can't even wrap my mind around it. I how. know. And then when you think of that, you're still, as you speak out, if I was confiding in you of what I'm dealing with, Jason, you still wouldn't be able to truly help because it's mostly internal, right? Like even your words are going to be coming back through a certain filter I have of my own lens of my own performance or my own body image or whatever that might be. So that's why that world within within is just, it's extremely broad and interesting. And our brains are usually structured for survival. We used to be trying to outrun different tigers and animals, and but now it's a social thing and our yeah. brains don't know how to deal with that socially. Usually I study a lot of neuroscience and I've, my consulting firm I worked for worked in ontology, which is the study of being. And so I was on the research and development team there. So I love learning about that kind of thing. Cause I'm like, why am I thinking these thoughts or why do I feel low today? Or how do I move into a clear path? So it's stuff that I'm looking for every day. I'm just being curious about it. And how can I feel better? <laughs> I love that. And, and the other aspect of it is, is the theme of empowerment. Mm -hmm. Like how do we empower athletes, female athletes, especially to be able to speak up when they're dealing with stress, anxiety, where it doesn't become a breaking point, right? Yeah. Where it's not like you have to shut down like the circuit breaker and, and really have a really difficult situation challenge. If you can manage it on a daily basis, it won't get to that point. I really hope so. Some of the stories that come out in the news, they're like, they were happy Heartbreaking. And because it's that image that you're still even giving out to your parents, your family, your close friends, and you just don't know what's going on inside. But I guess the, the best thing you can do is start with that conversation. So and, and that's one, where we're at. One extra side thing to that is vulnerability, right? As an athlete, if you admit that you have emotional vulnerabilities, people look at that as weakness when in reality, it's the opposite. Yes, yes. And people need yes. to overcome that. 
And it's even, and it even shows up in work or in relationships or in family. Like I'm really struggling. I'm really low. And then they're like, why are you low? And you're, I call it low vibe. It's just easier to say. I understand. Um, But yeah, yeah, you just, it's like, why not? You have this and this and this and this going for you. That's usually the response. Like you're this good at this, or you have this awesome job, or you live in this city or whatever that might be. And usually that's not the thing, because again, it's a whole different world when you do the inside work. So I'll ask you this about your basketball career because okay. so impressive. How was it for you in high school when you started realizing that you have this special, je ne sais quoi, right? <laughs> you can't really describe it. You just know it's there. And when you see it on the court and you perform, you've got something special going on, but yet you're still fighting your inner demons, your what if thoughts and all that. So my question is, how was that for you when you started out and you realized you had this skill that you could excel at, but it's all encompassing. It takes up a lot of your energy. And then what was that like for you? And then how did you cultivate that to drive yourself forward, your growth mindset as you? And so that's exactly where I was going to start. And so for anybody out there from college recruiters, my first letter I received when college like says, Hey, I'm interested in you to come play at our university. I was 12 years old. I was in the sixth grade. I got a letter from the university of Northern Iowa. I came out of gym class and they, they sent it to the middle school. And so I got this letter and I was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. But what that did is it put that point in the future of what I could be. And so at 12 years old, I was like, Oh, maybe if I keep practicing, I can be a top college you know, player or I can play in college actually is the thought then. And so that really spurred my commitment towards basketball. And of course I had that with school. Basketball was a love. And again, it helped with my mental health at that time. But so I think the biggest thing is I always had those points in the future where I didn't have to dwell so much on who I was in the moment, but I was like, how can I become that college player? How can I become a top high school like player? How can I make the varsity team and start on varsity? So those points in the future where I was creating were always ahead of me. And I call that reverse engineering or I even do that for my career. Okay. It's 2022. Where do I want to be in 2024? And I start to paint that picture and I paint it from like a a blank canvas, but I say, okay, I want to be in this industry. I want to learn these new skill sets. I want to be around these people. These are who I want to learn from and have conversations with. That's my career now that I do. But I started that process of pointing or having that point in the future. And I was always like emulating that or trying to be that thing. So when I would have those bad games, I really focused more on that. So when I was, you know, in high school and I was a top performer, I was really focused on the kids that were even better than me in high school or in college. And I was like, how do I get to that level? And then you keep moving. It just keeps moving the bar. But then when you get done with college and I was fortunate enough to get drafted, but even just done with basketball in general, Then it's, oh my gosh, I've set the last 12 to 15 years on this path. And then I really had to do some inner work of what do I want to create for my career? I was so focused on academics and basketball. I almost think of it like when you see the horses in the Kentucky Derby and they have those blinders on because they're just focused on that race. It's like those blinders come off and you get to see a huge divergent world out there where you're like a divergent view of, oh my gosh, there's so much out here. What can, what am I curious about? And usually I always go back to what I was curious about when I was five, six, seven, eight, nine. And you know what? I'm still interested in most of the same stuff that I was back then, even now. But I would say those growth, that's always been my growth mindset of that future looking there and what are the, the tiny steps I can take to be, eventually become that. That's a lot to, I love this. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to say. I got manifestation, law of attraction. You said that we're creating. So in my viewpoint, I saw that as you manifest. I have a dry erase board. I use my room with a marker and that's like my window on the world. And I feel like your reverse engineering was literally a, a simplistic version of high level manifestation for yourself, which corresponds to my intuition theory with athletes, which I love. Absolutely. And I, I, I also, you mentioned your inner child. So of course that nur- nurturing your inner child, like you literally started all of this as a child, sixth <laughs> grade, 12 years old. I know it, it, it was great. I loved basketball from, you know, the get go and I love soccer, but I, I was into art and I loved animals and I loved astrology. And I love, I like when I was really young before I knew more about 
SeaWorld. I wanted to be a whale trainer. And I didn't realize that, but I moved from Iowa to South Florida because I loved being warm and I loved being around the animals down here. So I always think somehow there's a tie back because I go and check out the manatees every day. It's like part of my thing. I think they're part of my spiritual family, but it is so funny when you look back that a lot of those threads actually follow through to you as an adult. And you just, I can continuously always check in to see what, again, what am I curious about? And what do I, what do I want to learn? What do I want to be taking my time interested in? How was it for you in terms of like the issues that a lot of non-athletes don't really focus on? I know athletes do adequate pay compensation for time spent on the court and in your sport and in perfecting your, your craft. <laughs> What's your take on that from what you went through as a college athlete and where you see it going now? Oh my gosh. So I, I am in the very beginning stages of really analyzing this for myself because the name image and likeness is that's what's happening with NCAA. A lot of top athletes and even just athletes in general, they can get paid for having their, their image, their name, their likeness, anything out marketed in the city or nationwide. And I think it's great for the athletes because again, there's some top performers that just were getting their college education while the coaches were getting millions and millions and millions of dollars of contracts from the school, but also from Nike or from other sponsors. That's what the coaches are getting. So I do feel like it's even the playing field. And it's also even the playing field with the um, transfer portal, which has come out for athletes in the NCAA where I had to sit out a year. I went to the University of Illinois for my freshman year, and then I transferred to Iowa State. So I had to sit out that year. And that has been eliminated with this transfer portal where they don't have to get any approval. They can just move after one year or before their senior year and play the following year. So there's a lot of changes that have happened in the NCAA to give athletes a little bit more power. But all the time when any decision like that happens, there's always the positives. And then you have to look at the other side of it because I see eight, nine, 10 year olds on social media building up their followers so that when they're 18, 19, that they'll have a hundred thousand followers or something like that and be able to get those contracts. So I would say there's a balance and you want to, since we've talked about mental health, that's going to close the loop there on it's all going to be interconnected. Everything is <laughs> like with your psychic ability and your show that it's interconnected. So there are always benefits and you have to look at the balance of what maybe you're giving up all of the posting or people commenting or those kinds of things with that too. So it's, it's a lot to unpackage, like pull, peel back the onion, so to speak. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. I just, and it's just, it's recent for the NCA the last couple of years. And so I'm just starting to inquire and look and see what's happening with different athletes, with the coaches, with these people win a national championship and have transferred out of, out of programs and they'll transfer right before their senior year. So they'll be three years at a university and transfer. So it's just interesting to see what's going to unfold with the athletes and the programs as well. I have to ask you this. We're at the point now where I want to. Okay. Okay. What was it like for you going into the WNBA for yourself, your personal goals? And what was the most fascinating part of participating in the league that (laughs) you haven't shared before publicly? Oh my gosh. Okay. So (laughs) I have to be like upfront that like back in that senior year, I actually had a, a tough college career because like I said, I transferred my freshman year from Illinois. I was able to shoot jump shots, free throws, three pointers all through high school. There's a lot of points scored. So tons of hours. When there's a point, there's like millions of hours behind it. But I I somehow had a mental block during that year. The coaches wanted to transform me into a set shooter and I was more of a jump shooter. And that's a big mental hurdle to get over for after practicing for so many hours. And so I wasn't able to hit the rim or the backboard, which is literally crazy for a top athlete, a top division one athlete to not be able to hit the the backboard or the rim. So that was a big mental hurdle that I had to get over. I transferred that year and I really shot three pointers from my hip. And I was like trying to shoot them from six feet out. And at some point I said, I go, I have to figure out this shot. I'm like, not a great player. I was average and I wasn't at my, I wasn't at my peak at all. And, And then I tore my ACL, which was my knee. So I tore out my ACL, which basically you can wipe out a year of much growth because you're basically just flexing your quad muscle and learning how to run again. And so I had a lot of injuries. I had a lot of different injuries during that time. I had to sit out that year and I couldn't really shoot besides, besides a jump shot. So 
I got to tell you my junior year, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And I started going under the rim and shooting like back, like a kindergartner. So back, like when I was a seven, seven and eight year old and I shot one handed and I was like, I'm going to figure out this free throw. And I kept shooting one handed. And so if you see any pictures of me, I actually have the ball. I, 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 all you sports fans out there, you've seen, you've watched March Madness, I'm sure. But I had the ball on the free throw line and my left hand was off the ball and I would shoot it one-handed. So it didn't even guide the shot. And I ended up shooting like 20% higher. I shot, I led like the big 12 and free throw percentage that year. And so I was like, if I did that with my free throw and it helped me perform better, it helped our team perform better. And I was like, if I can do that with my free throw, I'm going to try my three-pointer. And so I did the same thing at 22 years old. I went back under the rim and shot one-handed and I was able to work my way back to the three-point line and I would shoot them literally one-handed. But that year, I so I completely wiped out what I had done before, started over, went back to the basics. And that year I ended up at certain points of that season leading the nation in three-point percentage. And I got invited to the ESPN three-point shooting contest. A little bit too much uh, sports but what really, what's really important here is that it can be a really rough patch and you just have to go back and simplify and go back to the basics. And that's what I did. It was almost like that clearing out of whatever I was trying to mentally do in my head and just start at the basics. And it really did help me. And I guess I'm coming back to your WNBA question is because that year I was just so focused. We had missed the NCAA tournament the two years prior. I was so focused on making sure the team made it to the NCAA tournament, which is the big tournament, March Madness. If you all have seen it with the 64 teams, now it's 68. And so I had NCAA or bust on my sneaker that entire year because (laughs) we have to go to the tournament. I played better. The team performed better. And we did go to the tournament. So by the time I got drafted to the WNBA, I wasn't even thinking about it. I didn't even know that I was, and I didn't even know that it was like a goal of mine because my goal was so much focused on that tournament. And I I was drafted. I was like literally watching a football scrimmage. I, you know, wasn't by the TV, but I, because I had transformed that shot, I was a better player and they wanted me because I could shoot so well. So it's funny how that all comes full circle. And I did have some injuries, so I didn't get to play that much. I got called back the second year. They had won the WNBA championship. So the coolest part of my experience is I got to play in Madison square garden which was awesome. And we got to go and to Washington, D.C. and meet the president because they had won the year before. And since I was a part of the team, I got to do that too. Awesome experience. But I got to play with people that when I was in middle school, I was like watching Ruthie Bolton Holyfield, who was on the Olympic team and she was on the team. So it was surreal and awesome. And again, almost unexpected. So it was like the cherry on top of my career to be able to be drafted and, and be a part of it for a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But that journey of that three-point shot and, and getting to the NCAA tournament is probably one of the things I'm most proud of because the, again, mental hurdle, emotional hurdle, psychological hurdle that I had to overcome this shot and then helped me perform better. It's something I go back to often because I'm like, you can always go back to the basics and clear out what whatever you've been doing. You can just actually make a new choice and start all over and go back to what's really simple and simplified. So that's what I do. Like even in life, it's what's simple. I just feel like I should go on a walk. It could be that easy sometimes just to clear your head. So I love that. I love what it's not, it's needed, but I love how you shared it because I think just having us be able to think of it from different paradigms and respecting those paradigms and seeing where it takes you. I heard visualization. I heard the value of coaching and mentoring in that is also an underlying thing I want to ask you about yeah. because I've recently learned, I'm getting certified to be a life coach and just it's betterment and in growth for me. And I want to ask you from your experiences as an athlete in your career and everything you've done, what have you found was the greatest benefit of being coached and mentored? And if you could talk a little about that and the, the, impact, the positive impact I had in your life and in, in helping you overcome the obstacles you dealt with your injuries and setbacks and oh, yeah. just within your own what if thoughts. Yeah, this that's great. And you know, sometimes real quick, I tell that story because otherwise you just hear all those accolades in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't no. know the background story because I'm like, everyone has that. It just it's just like a resume that you put together or your social media that looks so nice and great. It's like there's a life behind that. Like something there might be a story behind that. So that's the when I, when people say yes, on three points, I'm like, yeah, but let me tell you that took a long time. And there's a whole journey behind that. The sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. On every level of your life to accomplish. what you did there. 
Yeah. But, oh, and it was like overcoming yourself. And I think that's a, a journey that a lot of us are on a day-to-day basis or through our career of overcoming what I've done in the past to create what's possible in the future. And so you asked about coaching and I got to work with some of the best coaches. Absolutely. I, at Iowa State University, we have coach Bill Fenley. He's been there for a couple of decades. He's one of the most tenured women's basketball coaches, most successful, and even compared to men's basketball coaches as well. And they just finished a sweet 16 season and they are stacked for next year. So I'm really hoping maybe they'll go to the final four. And also what's really awesome about Iowa state is they have a 10,000, about an average of 10,000 people per game. So it was fun when you put in all those hours to perform in front of people. And so my experience there was great. Coach Fenley, what I loved about him was he gave you free will to perform, you know, at your best. He never told me to change my shot or my shot wasn't working. He was like, whatever I had at that time, he's like, that's good enough. And we're going to like work the strategy around all of the different players, top attributes. And everything about that program was a strategy by design. And I really liked that. It helped us win some major games because a lot of times programs will just continue to play the same game, no matter who they're playing the same. They'll be like, we're going to run this offense. We're going to run this defense, no matter who we're playing. And it's just life. You never know what's coming at you, but if you study it, you can actually strategize around it. And it's the same that I do in performance consulting with organizations and business. Every meeting is different. Every C-suite and organization that you work with, whether it's Nike or whether it's Coca-Cola or some of those top Fortune 500 companies, you have a different one. You have different products, you have different energy, and you have different personnel. How do we align and communicate on the same goal. And I learned that through basketball, whether I was coaching or again, like I said, through watching and being under coach friendly is each game was extremely strategic per the opponent. And even the players we had, we might've had somebody out sick or somebody out injured. And how do we move people around and put our best foot forward? So it was always a strategy. And that's exactly what happens in day-to-day meetings. There's an intention. We're looking at How's this landing across the table for that CEO, but that CFO? And it's just really looking at a world from a, a big lens because everything is a little bit different. How do those pieces and parts work and move together? So that was like some of the biggest takeaways I had from my playing days and coaching and all that, all those kinds of things. Interestingly, as you're answering this and you're sharing your information, I also get intuitive stuff. So like I read energy and vibrations, you probably can connect to that. And I'm seeing you as a CEO, not just calling you a boss, but I feel like in your future, you're going to be a CEO of your own corporate entity. And I got mental performance consulting and empowerment guru. Oh my God. So okay. there's all something right. about your future path that you're putting your tools together right now to create your future CEO. Oh, thank boss. you so much. That's so cool. I love that. I'm getting my own feedback here. It's awesome. I do. And awesome. I've, I've been adding to my toolkit. Because be the boss. Something about be the boss. Your, you know, about the word boss is going to be part of your Okay. I haven't had an affinity to boss before, so I'll have to look into that. That's cool. Yeah, Stop bossing yourself. Like being able to be your own boss, empowering yourself. It's an empowering theme that you're like, I'm just getting the words off it. It's an yeah. empowering theme where you can teach yourself how to be your greatest cheerleader, your supporter, your, all the stuff that you've kind of mastered on your own level. You're going to develop from all the tools or stuff. You're in a study stage right now. No, I, so. I, it's so true because, and when you say you're your biggest, like, cheerleader or something like that, because usually you're your biggest critic. And it's so true. Like I can criticize my workout or I can criticize like what I ate for dinner. And it's so crazy that you do it on that, that micro level. It's what am I doing on the macro level that I'm not seeing? So I am really almost like doing that, like observing like myself and like the tools that I've had, how do they all interconnect between performance and mindset, meditation slash spirituality? How do they all work together? And how do I keep developing myself that way. So just like my, growing. So it's right. I need to be more of the empowering, not just the critics. So there you go. I'll say this in my lawyer speak, you'd be my exhibit A for the intersection <laughs> and the and the cross section of all those concepts. Like oh my God, I love it's, it. <laughs> it. It's perfect. I, I have to, it's like these, it, there's a lot there. And, and from my vantage point, I'm just excited because I, I can see where you're going with what you've had and the combination, the unique combination that you have to create what you're going to be doing next. That's what's exciting. You're going to help a lot of people in terms of your work, because there's a lot of people that need the help and guidance you're going to give them. 
and the mental performance, growth mindset, all those things. The word paradigm jumps off you left and right. And you're going to have, if you haven't written a book yet, you're going to have a book written about this stuff. And you're going to reflect on your personal experiences and how you overcame all these obstacles inside and out to go to where you're you're going to be. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You're helping me marinate it all together. Yes. (laughs) And it is, and it's all connected and you just have to look back, connect those dots and be like, oh yeah, that is, that is what uh, showed up for me. Brand, thank you so much for that. Uh, I will. I'm going to take that with me. I love, I love to share. What a gift. (laughs) I love to share whatever I pick up, especially when I'm doing this kind of thing. What was it like for you to study with Steve Zaffer? Oh my gosh. So yes. And I guess when you asked about coaches, sometimes you forget that you've had great coaches in like your career and Steve was phenomenal. And so he's the author of the bestselling book, The Three Laws of Performance and everything about Vanto Group and that book is based in phenomenological ontology. So again, that's a mouthful, but it's called again, phenomenological ontology, which is the study of being as experienced. And so I was able to be on the research and development team and work with Steve internationally on some major projects. And we would always take like, how is this landing? It's not what you say. It's how is it like landing for that person over there? What are they dealing with on that side? And so that was a really kind of big thing. So it's not just psychology where you have different thoughts going on, but who is it being and what are they experiencing in that moment? And he was, he had worked with Harvard business school. He had worked with some of like the the biggest names, like the Reebok enterprise was one of the, the biggest ones across the board. There were so many different awesome organizations, but even just the people they had a certain vibe about them that was always focused on the future and how, and when I speak, how is it landing and being absorbed on the other side over there? So <clears throat> that was just, it was an incredible experience. I, I absolutely loved my time with Vanto Group. And again, I can't recommend that book enough because the three laws are like how, how people perform is how things occur to them. So again, it's, it's great whether you're an athlete or not and how things occur is in language. And then future-based language transforms how situations occur. Those are the three laws. And I know that's a mouthful, but you can get through them with whether it's the organizational piece or even the personal piece of how things are occurring to you and how you're using certain language to create what you want in the future. So yes, it does. So that's that, thing. Yeah. So finding that position for me through Vanto Group was part of what I was searching for at that time, because I loved the psychology. I loved mindset. I loved performance. And I had come across Vanto Group the year before I got onto the consulting firm. And I was like, you know what? This seems exactly like what I want to be doing. And I followed them on LinkedIn. And all of a sudden, I saw on LinkedIn that they had a position open. And like six months later, and I go, I remember that I put this out in the universe. I was like, I better follow up. And it was just one of the best things because I got to learn so much of the philosophy behind things that I really love. And then how it works out in the real world, whether it's an organization, whether it's an athletic team, whether it's just a family or a community. So awesome experience. And again, can't recommend it enough. It is on Audible, by the way, and I still listen to it quite a bit. (laughs) It's, It's amazing hearing you describe that because from my vantage point, people influence us in ways we don't always appreciate or understand until we have the opportunity to reflect back on it. Yes. And hearing you reflect back on that experience, you could see the appreciation you have from concepts. And words are things. I always say, instead of saying, if I do this, I always say when. And I think until I make it in my head, so I overcome any hurdles or interior uh, internal obstacles we may, that might plague us. Yes. And I, I love that. So that's very important. I want to ask you in terms of what you've been doing since as a senior cyber transformation leader, how did you get involved in that from where you were as an athlete and working in your growth mindset to, to head in that direction? Yeah. And it's a great thing. I will tell you during the pandemic. So the pandemic affected everyone in so many different ways. And that consulting firm, again, Vanto Group was incredible, but people weren't shelling out hundreds of thousands of dollars. Organizations weren't when they were like, we have to figure out where we're going to go next. So they, so Vanto Group had to let go of about three-fourths of the sales force, a consulting force. And at the time, I was really bummed, but I had learned so much. Like I had absorbed and I had traveled and just really got you know, to get the entire experience. Like I said, even sometimes just finding a book is worth it. But when you get two years of experience, it's learning new words. 
but I did shut my computer. And I do remember at that time, if you think of growth mindset, I was like, this could be the best thing that's happened for me. So now I'm going to apply all of the things that I've learned through being an athlete, my business career, my consulting career, all of this ontology work, and I'm going to create where I'd like to be in the future. And so that's really what I looked at. I didn't jump into another job. Like I said, we were you know laid off at that time. I didn't jump in. I was like, let me just sit and absorb and listen to what things, where I want to be. Because I think that's part of it. Sometimes we just make decisions without really feeling that magnetism if we go all the way back to the beginning of our conversation. So I started to look at, again, I made that blank slate of where am I at in 2021? This was the fall of 2022. And what do I want to learn? Where do I want to be? What industry do I want to be? And started creating that. And all of a sudden it starts to, you start to become that's ontology and you start to attract it. If you think of the law of attraction and you start to see, find people and different opportunities that, that are focused on where you want to be. And I found a Palo Alto Networks, which is in cybersecurity and industry I wanted to be in. And the biggest piece of that is that I'm basically in performance consulting there. So I took the, the job that I had at the consulting firm and we use that, we use that now in, in cybersecurity when we work with organizations. We partner with them, we listen for their business outcomes, and we create those roadmaps because cybersecurity is evolving every single day and changing. So how do we continue to do those first steps? create a new roadmap, move forward together in that long-term partnership and be able to understand across the table what that CEO needs for a business outcome from cybersecurity. And so those are the things I listen for and I work with every day. So it's funny how all of those things that performance or business or consulting or the psychology, ontology, it all adds up. And then you find something that really elevates and and adds to that. And if anything would ever happen, you just start doing that again. What did that add to my toolkit? And then keep moving forward. So it's been a it's been an awesome time. I've been there for about a little over a year now, and I absolutely love the company and, and love what I'm learning too. So I just always want to keep growing and adding and being curious and leaning into to what interests me. It's fascinating. I know we're running a lot of time, but I have to ask you too, because your podcast, the Get Busy Living Podcast. Yeah, yeah. How did you conceptualize that for yourself? And what's your experience been so far with oh your Oh my show? gosh. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for chatting about that. And I can go a little bit over our time. No problem. So sure. the Get Busy Live In podcast, it's also something that I've noticed is when, and you mentioned this in 2018, when you had that cancer diagnosis that you're like, I'm going to start creating something. And then as you start literally taking that first step to creating something, you actually start to grow and expand that like a flower blooming and you start to get more creative and you're like, oh, I can maybe try this out. It's really interesting. It's been happening for me. And I had this idea for a year and then finally I took that leap. I sometimes wait and then I move. But as soon as I move, I, I start seeing things unfold. GBL, it comes from the Shawshank Redemption quote that Morgan Freeman says that movie, you guys um, from the nineties, it's either get busy living or you get busy dying. And he chooses the GBL with his best friend at the end of the movie. And it's an old movie. So I'm sure y'all have seen it, but over the last 10 years, my dad and I would randomly exchange texts that would say, are you busy living? And so it just was a thing. And then we, they had their 45th wedding anniversary. My parents did. And my dad came out with these green hats that said GBL on them and t-shirts that said GBL on them. I came out and I had a video and stickers and like koozies and different fun things like that, that all had the theme of GBL and we never even spoke about it. So we all, we came together. So then I was like, all right, I have to do something with this. Cause then it became one of those things when we're out as a family together in different cities, we'll have these GBL hats on and people are like, what does GBL mean? And we'll be like, are you busy living? And they're like, oh, that's awesome. And then they then you just, you can see their, their face change. They're excited to be a kind of a part of our group at that time. And we give them stickers and different things like that. And it is like YOLO or Carpe Diem or Seize the Day. It's, it's similar to that vibe of, hey, you again, we can go from the past and feel that way, or we can get busy living and go on that walk or go create a cool podcast. So that's what I did. And it goes back, the theme is what inspires people to be bigger than themselves, because circle back to our conversation of like sitting in church and there was something bigger there, those vibes there. People have really great career stories. They have really great family stories and, and they share those on there because it's awesome to hear how they got there. But the piece that I really like is it's good vibes, growth mindset and giving back and the giving back piece, people light up because they're doing something bigger than themselves, whether it's a community event 
a nonprofit or charity and people start talking and sharing about that, like how they've impacted those around them. And it's literally a dynamic shift in the conversation of, it's not just about me, it's about we and all of us. And there's something bigger out there. And that's what I've really enjoyed the piece of the conversation. So it's Get Busy Living podcast, if you guys want to check it out. We've had some really interesting people on there already so far. And I could put all that info in our show notes as well. And um, I, I look forward to sharing that with our audience. <laughs> I love, yeah. I, I, you're kind of like the exhibit A, as I said to my theory. And I feel like creating is a big thing for you. And it coincides with intuitive abilities and mental performance, growth mindset. They're all interconnected and we are all one. Yes. And <laughs> I, I love everything you're sharing with this. If our audience wants to contact you, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? All right. Okay. So cool. I would love to connect because I'm going to guess a lot of your audience are people that vibe with me. So because Jason and I just jumped on here and we were like <laughs> immediately, oh my gosh, this is going to be a great conversation. So we hope you all have enjoyed it. You can find me on social media, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. I haven't done a TikTok yet, but I'm on there called Hey, H-E-Y, Ann O'Neill. So come and say Hey. And that's A-N-N-E-O-N-E-I-L. Hey, Ann O'Neill. And my website is anoneal.co. So just come by and say hi, or let me know that you listened to this. Cause I always am like, oh my gosh, I had such a great time. I hope somebody was able to have a few takeaways from it. So I really enjoyed my time here. Oh my God. I, I will say this. Anytime I have a guest on my show, I always have my platform open so that as you have new things that come out, or if you want to just come on and, and update us on the progress and status of the things that you're working on, I would love to feature you because oh, yeah. your energy is so amazing <laughs> and mental growth mindset, that kind of stuff is, is very, it's something that I want. It's just like scratching at the surface of it. Mm. We're at the tip of the iceberg during this conversation. <laughs> yeah. There are so many more in-depth topics. You could, I was thinking about corporations and the role that they could take to help empower female athletes, destroy the glass ceiling. There's so much there. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate you coming on. I will ask you one last question. Okay. If you were a spirit animal, which spirit animal would you be and why? And I'll go first to make it easier for you. I have a visual. My best friend gave me this. I'm an owl. Oh my God, right? I love that. Oh my gosh, I'm an beautiful. owl. Because for me, I have two parrots. I'm really big on animals and okay. my intuitive abilities. I believe in wisdom, the lawyer side of me and looking at the big picture and zooming out. And so wisdom is big for me. And, and that's where I call that my spirit animal. Oh my gosh. Okay, so I love that. Okay, I can't believe this is at the end of our conversation. <laughs> I, I wrote a piece during that, just real quick. I wrote a piece during- Because was your <laughs> During that- during the time that I was off uh, or when I was laid off for those six months, I wrote a piece on Thrive Global that's all about animal psychology and how it helped me find what I was looking for. So I basically tried to eliminate a lot of language and just like embody certain animals. And the animals were a lion. I, laid, I was like, I laid like a lion because... 20 hours out of the day, 22 hours a day, they just rest and play. And then for those two hours that they need to be focused, they're on it. So they're like, I, and I was in South Africa and I got to watch this like for myself back. Okay. That's a longer conversation, but back in the day. And so I was like, during that time I was off, I was like, if I don't have energy, I'm not going to beat myself up. But if I do for those two hours, I'm going to be on it, whatever I need to do, whether that was even working out or updating my resume, what that looked like. And then the next one was elephants. So elephants, I love because they have the biggest ears in all of the, in all of the animal kingdom or close. They actually listen through their feet. They can hear water underneath the ground. They can hear for miles through the vibrations of their feet. And I found that absolutely fascinating. So a lot of quotes out there, be where your feet are. And I was like, okay, what am I vibing out here? What am I listening for? And that it goes back into all of the conversations that we have. And so I was like, all right, so I'm going to be an elephant today and kind of <laughs> focus on that. And then my third one, which is my favorite spirit animal, because I live in South Florida and I've always absolutely loved them is the sea turtle. So I absolutely love sea turtles. And, and the reason for sea turtles is they, okay, so they can be born and hatched right here in South Florida. Let's just call it uh, Fort Lauderdale. And they will swim all the way to Africa and they'll swim all the way back and they will lay their eggs within a hundred yards of where they were hatched. It's because they have a magnetic compass inside of them 
that literally they align exactly to the earth's movements and that magnetism. And so that's why I've always embodied a sea turtle because that I was like, oh my gosh, when I learned that, and then I of course studied it. And this goes all the way back to how much I loved animals when I was a kid. And I've just always been like, okay, if I just get quiet and listen, the compass is going to expose itself and help me out through anything that I'm doing. So that's why I'm sad. I'm a sea turtle. So there you go. <laughs> I can, send you, I can I, send you the link of the, the that's the best YouTube. answer to that question I've ever had in five oh years. <laughs> in five years. Oh my God. In five years since my show in 2018, I guess I should say four years. Oh, thank God. you. Yes. yes. That's so inspiring. I, I don't have turtle here, but I That's do. Okay. But the heart is the same as the, the compass. So you just look at that. There's one over in my other area. But anyway, that's why the heart's there too, because usually the heart has the compass in it if you listen. Because our brains go crazy if they, but if they listen to the heart, you can usually figure it out. Hey, I, hey, if I knew we were going to get into animal psych, I would have been like, okay, we need two hours here. Yes. Because that's <laughs> a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. I love this. I had so much fun. Fun with this interview today i want to thank you for coming on and sharing everything you've shared today your vulnerabilities oh my your god insight. i had so much fun i really did it and i've been on some other podcasts but this is one that like it felt like whole like really whole really great conversation yeah 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 so it was really a, a three-dimensional conversation i've really enjoyed so hopefully again your listeners can have a few takeaways from it Absolutely. even if it's a sea turtle <laughs> I, I, I love sea turtles. When I was in Naples about eight years ago, they had the eggs actually going in synchronistic to what you're talking about, synchronicity. I stayed at a resort in, in, in Fort Myers and they had so that at night you had to turn your lights off because they, yeah, they were yeah. you know, hatching. Mm-hmm. And to think of how we're all connected and we're all one and we are literally yes. one entity. If you look at the planet <laughs> from space, we're one, right? Yes. And then you look at us here, we're all interconnected. Energy right. is infinite. It's infinite. It's we're shells. We're spiritual beings living in the physical world. I say that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yesterday I was on the beach. Just one quick thing. Since you just said that yesterday I was on the beach for my meditation. I was watching the sunrise and I was like, Oh, because I go there for sunrise. And then I do a, a walking meditation for about an hour. And I was like, this is really crazy because the birds always go like wild at sun. And so I'm like, okay, there are some animals. I was interested in that. And, and I was like, I was thinking about other things. And I realized I was looking at the Milky Way, all those things. And I was like, they, there's 400 billion planets. And I'm like, what am I, why am I worried about a meeting? Why am I worried about this email? So once you start again, seeing that it's a big world and not even just our world, but a universe and a galaxy, you're like, man, I probably don't need to stress about how many likes I have on that Instagram. So that's what I, that I try to center myself on sometimes. But just since you said that about the interconnectedness, yeah, it's everywhere. So absolutely. I just want to thank Anne for coming on the show today. I, every conversation that I have for every interview, I gain so much insight and just appreciate featuring our guests to give us their take on things. And I think we can all grow and learn together. And one of the biggest takeaways I get from today is you can be an athlete who excels on the court and you can be on a pedestal. Mental health awareness is so pivotal. When you watch your favorite athlete and you're a fan of that person, think about what they're going through. Give them some, what I'll call support, emotional support, spiritual support. And before you you talk critical of an athlete, think of all the pressures they have. But beyond that, I, I love what Ann said a couple of times during the conversation. Being able to believe in something bigger than yourself, that's pivotal. And right now we're at an amazing time because of where we're at. And I, I think if we can believe in something bigger than ourselves, it, it gives us the ability to feel like we're global citizens. And spiritually, if we are all interconnected, we've got to look at that and have kindness and understand that everything we're going through right now, we can give back and help others. So think about the growth mindset we talked about and mental performance, psychology, athletics, the interplay of all these things coupled with spirituality and meditation and nature. I think there's a lot you can gain from learning as much of this stuff as you can take the time study. The other thing I had to take away is being able to visualize and handle the detours of life. Like, and has during her career and her life, if you get laid off from a job, or you leave a sport that you've been entrenched in your entire life. All these things carry change. And our fear of change can sometimes hold us back. Don't fear it. Anne's an example of that. You go from being an athlete to being a consultant, to having a podcast and being a creator. 
So keep all these things in mind. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I have all the information on Anna in the show notes and stay positive because when you're positive, anything's possible. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Social Psychic Radio Show. Don't forget to join us for another episode next time. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give us a review on iTunes. You can also check us out on Facebook and don't forget to visit the Social Psychic YouTube channel. Until next time, it's a big world out there. Keep an open mind, embrace your paradigms, and know that the universe is always yours to explore. At Baker's, no matter where you order free pickup, you get the same great deals as you'd get in store. So you can save when you order during band practice or at the dog park or wherever. Start your cart with the Baker's app and save from wherever today. Baker's, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum. Restrictions may apply. Subject to availability. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Welcome to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning In to Sound Wellbeing today. Electric acid.